0: Radio, Here, mystery surrounds us. Mystery all around us. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Essential Conversations. I'm your host Rebecca Meers with my co-host. Luca Alex, and we join you today. It is an auspicious day. It is Luca's birthday today, and we decided that we would take our episode today to talk about birthdays, talk about rituals. Because I mean, we've been doing the show for many years now, but I don't think a show has ever actually landed on our birthday. And today, that's the case. So we—no, oh yeah, I
1: don't think it has. It hasn't no, so no, far. No, in six yeah. years. That's yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, so that's we've actually. Ver- We we poured ourselves a couple of adult beverages, and we've sat down here together to celebrate Luca's next turn around the sun. And we thought um, we would do sort of that processing and that enjoyment. Um, We were inviting you into it. Um, You may be listening to this on your birthday. It may not be the same day that it airs, but we hope that this will actually be useful for people whenever it comes around to their birthdays. So Luca... It is your birthday. Tell me what birthdays, yeah. what are you feeling this year on your
1: birthday? It's a, it's a weird state of the world. and an It, it is a weird, yeah, it's a very weird state of the world. And it, so I, I'm in still in seclusion. Um, but there's astrologically, there's some interesting stuff going on around Venus, which is, uh, I can't remember exactly what it's the planet of. And I'm just, I'm, I'm dangerous. <laughs> with astrology because i know just enough to be dangerous but i do know that uh, venus is going retrograde and that it goes retrograde for 40 days and there's sort of that's sort of loaded right 40 days and 40 nights um but it but it it talks about um letting go of things clearing stuff out of your life um in the first 20 days and then um, and then, deciding what new beginnings you want in the in the next twenty days, so this this marks uh, as I go into my birthday, it marks the beginning of that, and I always think of my birthday as a time of um, summing up the year, and I do it more for my birthday than I do uh. At the end of the year in December, um, it it's that looking back over the course of the year and thinking, OK, what what is it that I would like to let go of? And what do I, I want to keep with me and take a year with me? So I do, uh, you know, me with with talking to guidance, so I do some tuning in and chatting. And, and that's usually somewhere around, you know, the day before, the day of, the day after in, in that region of time. Um, to to take a look at um, what is it what is it that I want to keep? It's a reckoning almost, but a, in a positive sense. I don't I don't usually experience it as as the Queen said, animus cerebralis. And I don't I don't really look at it that way. I don't, don't look at at what went wrong over the previous year. It's more about what did I learn? Um, what am I grateful for? Um, what am I finished with? It's, it's that, okay, we're, we're done with that. You know, like clearing the plates from the previous course of the dinner. Yeah. So that you can, um, get ready for the next course that's showing up. So there's a sense of anticipation about it. Um, what would I like to have more of? And, um, and I, and I don't even have a really clear sense of that this year. Uh, I can't seem to see past when, when this COVID virus will end don 't i don't know what that's going to look like when we get out of this and normally i can I can see a little ways down the road. I have a sense of what's coming i don 't have that sense right now
0: i I wonder if that might even connect with I had a, a big thing to to manage this last week uh, contention, a contention a decision point uh, in a yeah. strong relationship and so I reached this thing where i was I was experiencing a lot of distress because i couldn 't see which way to go. And I normally do have a sense of which way's right. And I'm saying right in air quotes, meaning like better for me, better for those around me, most helpful, however you want to define right. And I really couldn't tell which, and it was really a big choice. I couldn't tell which way was quote unquote right. And that was distressing me. And then I realized, oh, that even though it hasn't been that often that I encounter that. Usually the problem is more, I know which way to go and I just need the courage or like the kick in the pants to actually do the thing, but I didn't know what to do. And actually the few times that that has happened, I've now, when I remember to have the wisdom, it often means that I'm at choice at choice, meaning they're just divergent paths. They're both going to have positives and negatives uh, they're both going to turn out differently, but they're not necessarily inherently terrible. I'm thinking that that your inability to see beyond right now is, is a reflection of how at choice this world is right now. We are on such a cusp, and so much depends on the choices we make in this crucial time. And it's so ironic, isn't it? We're, so many of us are still slowed down at home, Work looks different. Home looks different. Society for sure is looking different. Um, and and realizing that the power is actually in our hands right now to make this incredible choice while we feel so disconnected from the rest of the world,
1: it's kind of humbling. It, it is. And I my sense is that and maybe this is true about each of our individual lives as well, because I believe that it's, it's a holographic universe, right? So um, everything that's going on in the macrocosm is also going on in the microcosm inside each one of us, but that um, we've already laid the groundwork for this. This is like the final throes of uh, digging out all the stuff that has been hidden. and, um, and put really putting it on the table so that we can sort through it, yeah, so this situation um with this uh, uh guy in minneapolis um uh, where george the where the- pol- george, george floyd, floyd that was his name and and he he hadn't done anything right this is and, and but this this, this is it, it, it was a pivotal moment for a that's enough now, but he's not the first. Oh, who's, God, be, no. who's been through this? This is, just, I mean, and that's the really sad part about it is that, and not just sad, unconscionable, that yeah. that we're that we're doing this to one another. And I was, I, I spent a lot of time yesterday thinking about what does this mean for us on a planetary level, and I was thinking about a friend of mine sent me a picture of two heads, like cameos, like a side on view of an outline of a head and one of them was white and the other one was black and not not as a representative a representative of black and white people it wasn't a racial thing but it showed a wedge shape on the black head that was white and a wedge shape on the white head that was black and it and that really brought back home to me this idea that all the things that we point our fingers at out there as being unconscionable we have a little piece of that inside each one of us as well um, it, and and I think that um, at the same time as we're trying to change the world outside ourselves we're also trying to change the world inside ourselves and uh, it doesn't matter in some ways it doesn't matter which route you choose to take there will always be people who will who will be the activists? Who will get out there in the world and do it on the streets and and take, and, and that takes a particular kind of courage. And Although then there I will also. Say,
0: I'd yeah. I'd love to pop in there. In that yeah. I I definitely used to be uh of it, of an understanding or a belief that I was not of the activist uh, yeah. makeup, and yet yeah. I have subsequently gone onto the streets. And a lot of it has to do with a feeling of accessibility, of knowing someone else is going, of knowing sort of what this is going to look like, of connecting with other people and feeling like a part of a team, rather than just feeling like it's you going out in front of the whole world, sort of like you going in front of the class to do a, you know, an oral report or something. Very intimidating. And the yes. first one is the hardest one because you don't know what it's like. So picking something yeah. to go to that feels rather contained, that has other people mm-hmm. that you know that have been to something before is a yeah. way that you can test the waters out on whether yeah, whether you might yeah. actually be able to be one of those yeah. people who are raising yeah. their voice and being seen in public. So, but yeah. yes, it's not for every, it's not required for everybody to be into no. that. Right. They, we no. have all have different roles and there are so many yeah. more things that need to be done.
1: Yeah. And I think yeah. for all of us, it's pushing into whatever the new territory is for us, whatever perhaps is not explored yet. Um, and also taking with us that thing that we're really good at, right. Then, Whatever that talent is. So if you're a writer and you go out onto the streets, then maybe you want to be writing about it afterwards. And if you're a broadcaster, then, then you can use that platform. And, and if you're a person who's, who, who goes inward, then maybe there's new inner territory to go into that maybe you haven't gone into before. And then what do you do with that, right? But this, I really like this idea, and I don't even know if the person who sent this to me saw it in that way. I mean, this is the beauty of symbolism, right? It can mean one thing to one person and another thing to another, but I looked at it and I thought, yes, within every one of us, there is some of the quote unquote other. Whoever we're, we're vilifying, whoever we don't understand, whoever frightens us, whoever, whatever it is, there's a little piece of that inside us. That sometimes we can access more safely than the piece that's outside, but we certainly—it's hard to access the piece outside if we haven't—if we haven't recognized that we have it. It gives us a certain amount of humility when it's inside us as well, right? Oh, this, for sure. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm not. Um, I mean, we all have that place so- that where we're scared. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I can
0: go ahead and just take, take what you're saying and just be really bold with it, especially in light of the fact that we, we've touched on George Floyd, acknowledging mm-hmm. that the racism that we see that is inherent in the structures outside of us that we can see is killing black people, people of mm-hmm. color on a mm-hmm. daily basis. It's, it's coming down through institutions like the police. It's coming down yes. through other institutionalized um, oppressions and yep. To to only see that as existing outside of ourselves is important to at least be able to recognize it and, and call it as such in order to be able to name it and to stand against it. But without being able to turn that lens into ourselves to actually humbly ask the question, where might I be carrying some of this as well? And to realize that it usually exists in our blind spot. Yes, we do not usually the majority of humans do not usually enjoy carrying around um, attitudes and behaviors that we recognize as being harmful to other people no. around us. Uh, generally speaking, we all want to be good people. Sure, we may have crabby days, we may be old grumps here and there, whatever. But we don't generally, you know, wield weapons of our words and our actions with an intent to harm on a daily basis. That doesn't mean that we aren't cutting people with the razor blades Mm -hmm. on the underside Mm -hmm. of our arms that we don't recognize. Yeah. And And we are all
1: a product of the systems. Exactly. Now think need to be changed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm a product of that system, I'm carrying that system within me. And I also have the power to uh, react to that system. And to, uh, try to change it. Yeah. Uh, in whatever way. And I think we think, oh, well, I can't do anything that's big enough, so I won't do anything at all. But, but even working on yourself is, is a, is a step that's, that makes you more open to what somebody else might suggest to you. Because if you don't do the work on yourself, you can't see into your blind spot when somebody comes along with a great big flashlight and flashes yeah. it into your blind spot right like we're doing we are doing the best we can with what we know in the moment but we can always be expanding what we know in the moment which expands our efficacy and and therefore our ability to help other people yeah one of my biggest
0: lessons over the last few years that i still need to kind of check in on because it helps me to to uh regain a kind of balance um when i recognize that i may have I may have done just done something or had an attitude that, that had some racism still in it. So to own that. And one of those things was I was originally I, I along with a whole group of other white folk was asked the question, um, if you were to know that, that the people of color around you uh, could not view you and see you as a safe person, how does that make you feel? Oh, and it was feel terrible oh i know and yeah. i did i like i instantly i felt it in the small of my back i felt tremendous grief and i needed to i actually i did need to cry about it a little bit when i read it it brought up a lot of grief and a lot of resistance because i had to that point put a lot of stock in effort into trying to be a safe person but it was such an important question because it also helped me to understand that by seeking to have my identity as a safe person, it made me blind and unable to hear when someone might be telling me
1: you're hurting me. Yeah. You're not safe. Yeah. I don't perceive you as safe.
0: Right. Right. And so If, if my identity is in like, no, I am learning my stuff. I am I'm rooting out the racism. I am going to be a safe place. Then if someone is trying to communicate to you, you're not being safe for me right now. You're not going to hear it. I wouldn't be able to hear it. yeah However, if I shifted that just a little bit, And I shifted into an acceptance of, do you know what? Maybe I can't be safe, like a period. Like I am never going to 100% be able to root out everything that I have sown in me through this system that I've grown up in, that's been an integral part of me that I am at work on. But what if I just accept that I'm never going to get it perfect all of the time? Well, what then? What then does it look like? And if I could be comfortable with acknowledging that I won't do it perfectly, then I can at least move into a place of comfortable uh, humility and curiosity with the sense that, okay, I know I'm going to, I will not say the full word, but I know I'm going to F up sometimes. And instead of that making me like horrible as a human, it's just, oh, natural, it's going to happen. So then when someone says to me, Rebecca, Rebecca, There's a, there's a bit of a problem with what you're saying or what you're doing right now. Then instead of me losing my whole identity and, oh my God, suddenly now I'm an unsafe person. I can't handle this. It make, which makes it about me. I can instead be, oh shoot, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm listening. What's wrong? Can I, you don't necessarily have to tell me, but I'm willing to learn. Like Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm hearing you and then I can take that away and I can work on it. And I found that to be incredibly stabilizing for me. To yeah. not make a situation or a dynamic about me, but instead no. to be able to—it makes listen. it safer
1: for you to learn, right? Yeah, yeah, and really, because we all need to feel safe in order to learn. Yeah, and um, and that's not always the way it happens, you know. <laughs> for for a lot of folks, it's not safe for them to learn.
0: Well, I was just thinking—you don't really learn when you're told you're wrong. We don't learn by feeling. You know, how many times have you had someone just say that's wrong and you feel the shame and you feel the, the disappointment, but, but that you've got doesn't... nowhere to go with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So being able instead to be like, oh, okay, there's something I can improve here and it doesn't make me a horrible person. It makes me, that's what allyship is. It's being willing and ready to hear yeah. and respond and change. Not that you get it right on the first try. What relationship do we ever have that we get everything right on the first try? You know, if we consider any primary relationship in our life as an allyship, we have to be ready to admit that we're wrong. Not necessarily wrong yeah. in the sense of being bad or like no. actively trying to hurt someone, but that we effed no. up, that we that we, can
1: do, better, that we and, can do better. And maybe the really critical thing here is, is the relationship worth taking a risk in? Right. And it can be as broad as my relationship with people who don't feel safe in the world. Right? Our relationship with people who don't feel safe in the world. Is that relationship, is improving that relationship worth taking a risk? And I think if you ask most people, especially if they know somebody in that group, as long as, as long as we've never met that group, it's much easier to make them other. And, and vilify them, or or typecast them, or whatever it is that that we're doing. Once we know somebody in that group, and you say to us, "Is that relationship worth investing um, your your self esteem, your the potential that you might do something wrong? Is it worth it?" I, I for sure would say yes, it's worth it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it takes it out of the abstract and puts it into the personal. Yeah. Um, and yes. that and that matters, and that matters. We it get matters. M- we become more familiar with it. So I think yeah. this is interesting.
0: I mean, obviously, this was going to be in our conversation today because it's mm. it's like the world is cracking open. Well, but you know up. what? <laughs> I'm also thinking it's not a coincidence that we aim to talk about birthdays because it's your birthday, mm-hmm. and <laughs> I have been seeing a lot of people refer to the protests that are happening right now and equating them with the protests and the rebellion that happened in the States when they were needing to separate from the British Mm -hmm. because they were not afforded a voice. They were Mm -hmm. not afforded representation and Mm -hmm. they had to fight to be heard. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing a lot of people saying, you know, if you look at this, there's a lot of parallels and this has now been enshrined in the U S constitution. As a way to fight for representation and a way to fight for equality, yeah. and that your humanity is honored. And yeah, what if this is an, a birthday? <laughs> In a way, yeah. Of of a bigger yeah. societal thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the question is, can we do it without um, bloodshed? Mm-hmm. And, well, let's just and, talk and about. And both. I hope that we can. Right. right uh
0: i i think the aim is i'm thinking is is a birth without blood
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's not without blood but that doesn't mean mm-hmm. that the aim is for blood to be shed mm-hmm. no aim is to mitigate yeah. the bloodshed because unfortunately yeah. when 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 we're dealing with a violence to the spirit mm-hmm. that people are rising up against and when you call that out it is not okay that there is violence to the body. It is never going to be okay. And it happens. And we need to mitigate it. All of this is, needs to be about mitigating it and still pushing through the changes that will stop the violence to the spirit. And,
1: and midwifery. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Being a, being a doula to the, to the birthing of a, a, a new paradigm. I believe it's a new paradigm. And, and I believe that we can do this. Um, we've got enough experience on the planet right now to be able to usher this change in, in a productive way. And that means that we need to access that wisdom that's there Mm -hmm. because I mean, we've got plenty of examples of doing it in a way that's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. definitely, Trump is demonstrating that right now, and he's not the only one in the world who's demonstrating that. I mean, we—he's—he's he's larger than life on on our southern border, but but that doesn't mean that there aren't others who are doing this all all around the planet, including you know, business people. Want to call them at that for a lack of a better term, but uh, the people who are sitting on top of the massive piles of money. Mm-hmm. And so they get to decide what gets done with the, with the money. Mm. So we're birthing, we're birthing a new system. And, and I, I, I'm very, I'm very, as I sit in this birth, I'm very aware of that. And, and I sort of day by day, I look at, at, I look at what's going on in the world and think, okay, what's my role in it now? And what's my role in it now? And, and now what is it? And now what is it? Mm -hmm, Right. Um, because this, this is an unfolding and, um, I think that it comes back to this idea of the power of witnessing, right? Mm -hmm. That there is power, there's power in doing, and there's also power in witnessing in knowing what it is that you're seeing and stay being having, having, keeping an awareness in that big picture of what we're trying to do as a planet is this is not just what's going on in Canada or, or what's going on in the United States. This is what we're doing as, as the, a global entity. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- wh- how, how are we doing this? How do we keep the, the I mean, in the same way as, as the United States is now looking at um, how, how do they um, preserve the rights and freedoms of the people who have been most disempowered? we got to look at the planet and say the same thing, mm-hmm. right? What what are we doing for all of the countries and all of the minorities on the well,
0: planet? Well, it makes me think of how we were just talking about um, the individual versus the societal level. We could do the same thing with our country mm-hmm. or our city versus the yes. world. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, yes, we can pay attention to what's happening in the world at large and hold that bigger vision. But our mm-hmm. responsibility is where we're at, making sure mm-hmm. that we are a part of the voices that are ushering in um, protections for the marginalized, um, uplifting of the vulnerable. And you know what? So on that note, um, I think it's really important to to focus in on where our special Achilles heel is in Canada, Mm. because that's where we are. And our Achilles heel with racism is with First Nations folk. And it is still... Present. It is pervasive. It is Mm -hmm. it is absolutely also connected to our law enforcement and Mm -hmm. to the crime that is committed by both law enforcement and also just Joe Blows out there um, with impunity, uh, because there are so many um, inherent biases against um, First Nations folk. If we look at the case of Colton Bushi and the injustice that was that was committed for his family in, in the in the case that was around his murder. And the, there is so much that happens in our country and so many people, um, and again, I can sit here and I can list off all the things that are outside of me
1: uh-huh.
0: or I can do the thing that we said that we need to do, which is to stop and uh-huh. look and see, okay, how has this been bred and uh-huh. continued inside me? And... I have to be able to do that. And I. one of the first and most important steps is building relationship with First Nations, recognizing where they are. If you don't know whose land you're on, and we're going to take a moment right now mm-hmm. to acknowledge mm-hmm. that we are on the unceded ancestral territory of the tsleil the Coquitlam, the Musqueam, and the Squamish. And we... What that means, <laughs> we visit it every week. It is something that we touch in on, not just every week. It's something that we need to carry awareness of. Why do we do a land acknowledgement? It's because we are settlers. It's because unseated mm-hmm. means they never assigned any agreement with our government that said that this land was usable by the Canadian mm-hmm. government. And yet here this house is, here I'm sitting in this house. Mm-hmm. It was never actually it was at some point somebody just decided guess what okay this piece of land here you can sell it you want to be it but they didn't own it it wasn't theirs even the first nations do not claim ownership they claim curatorship
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) which i think is one of the reasons it was easy relatively easy to take it away from them because they weren't negotiating on that on that level because they didn't think that anybody should own it
0: i mean do we anybody are we parceling out the air above our heads and saying this is what we are and that's not okay either (laughs) but i'm trying to trying to break it down to the personal level right where it's like what we consider to be what we own and if we don't mark it as ours and we just know that we're contributing to it it's it's not okay and Mm -hmm. and so by acknowledging the fact that we are on on unseated territory it's a reminder that the balance is off Mm-hmm. and that we are still, still off in process mm-hmm. for reconciliation and with what is happening in the US i love that there are marches happening in vancouver and what is even more like our problem here i'm just going to call it that it's it's more centered around first nations folk mm-hmm. and how they are mm-hmm. treated and perceived and unsupported and still living with the disastrous results of the very real um, elimination strategy that our government put in place, even to the point of law through the Indian Act. And that is our work. Not to say that our the work does not also expand to include the injustices for people of colour, all, of all colours and all races. But that is our that is a unique work that we have in Canada that we do not like to own. Yeah. I think it's time for us to play one of our songs, and I think the energy of where we're at right now would probably match best with Stampa.
1: <laughs> well, I was thinking about dancing because this is dance music, yeah. right? Both of the songs that I've chosen today yeah. that I've influenced the choice of um, <laughs> yes, are dance, just... dance. Yeah, and, and I think this comes back to this idea of ritual as a way mm. of moving through change. That ritual is important, it gives us a container it gives us a framework within which to process change um, to process anything that is scary for us and uh, you know d- dance is a way it's a it's a form of release it's a form of accessing higher consciousness um, it, you know traditionally um, and it's also it's a way of celebrating So it's particularly appropriate for all of the things that we've talked about today. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I, I often think of, you know, when there's big marches, um, that there's a, there's a rhythm and a beat behind it that, that what people shout out is shouted out in a rhythm. Um, and people moving with a rhythm is a form of dance. Uh, and it's a very, in that case, a very serious form of dance, but I, I do, I, I really appreciate, um, the the role of ritual, Mm -hmm. and birthdays are all about ritual, right? Because you know, really, where I'm only one day older today than I was yesterday. It's you know, we get older a minute at a time. It's but we choose to mark it. And in some cultures, they don't mark a birthday. Mm -hmm. It's it's you know the different things that they mark, but Mm -hmm. it's a it's a it's a a reckoning point and. And if we build the ritual in around it and the celebration at the same time, it's a form of release and it's a form of interacting collectively. So maybe we can dance collectively in in our in our living rooms or our kitchens or or, or in our cars or wherever. Keep your eyes on the road, but as we as we listen to some dance music here.
0: <laughs> All right, so we've got for the first song today Serena Ryder's Stompa. and there's a real driving beat to this one that I feel kind of. Matches with the protest march. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to take a listen to that and we'll be back in just a few minutes.
1: People working every night and day. Never give yourself no time. Got too many bills to pay.
0: Appear. If you give yourself some room to move to the music you hear Gotta get up, listen to me Clap your hands, stomp your feet People looking for the Welcome back to essential conversations we were just listening to serena Ryder's stompa and um now we're back to talk about rituals birthdays not just birth luca's birthday but kind of the birth of the society we're experiencing some birth pains right now uh, a revolution a tearing apart um in order to come together anew, this is not a tearing apart. It's just for the sake of tearing apart, right? It's that something bigger, something better needs to come through. We have something better waiting. But you alluded to ritual before we went into that song, Luca. So why don't we talk a little bit about that? I, I know that birth, for, uh, the way that I grew up gave me an inherent understanding that birthdays are different, for uh, family to family uh, and never mind culture to culture. Um, what was your family culture around birthdays? There wasn't
1: really one. Hmm. I mean, we opened some presents at breakfast and I was, because my birthday's in June, I was still in school. So I would go off to most, most years I would go off to school. Um, and when I got to school, uh, we would do. The, we, we, everybody in the class would grab you and give you the bumps, right? So <laughs> oh, the a- an- ankles and, bumps. and wrists, and they throw you up in the air. I didn't like that. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, so the the bumps, and then, but that was that was it. Um. And my mother would make a cake, mm-hmm. and we'd have the cake. I and mean, but, I, I didn't. We didn't really. I didn't come from a culture of birthday parties, or I didn't have a lot of family around. We were a little nuclear family. My, my, um, family was like extended family was in Europe and there wasn't really anything that came from, from there either. So it was, uh, it wasn't, I, you know, we didn't do parties. We didn't do, you know, we didn't, we didn't have a huge amount of money. So there wasn't like incredibly it was it was fairly quiet mm-hmm. um i don't have built into me a really strong sense of how to celebrate anything mm-hmm. uh that that didn't come out of my family um, so i'm always i i kind of stand on the sidelines and watch people celebrating things (laughs) and and with a little bit of awe and and a little bit of oh god I know that's like very loud and big (laughs) Uh, I'm not quite sure what to do with it and I'm not really good at celebrating myself either Mm. so usually my ritual around my birthday is to get together with people I really enjoy one-on-one spread out over the course of the month Mm-hmm. So I kind of have a birthday month Um, and the rituals that I have are, are quiet and, and introspective and personal and have to do with, you know, what's the year been about for me and, and what can I feel? Like I have a sense that in the month coming up to a birthday, there's a, there's a feeling of revisiting of the things that you're about to let go of. Mm-hmm. So, I watch for that. What, what has it been? What have I noticed over the course of this month? And, and f- which for me would have been all the way through May. And, you know, we've been secluded and so it's been an, a very odd year for this, right? Really. Right. Since January, we've been aware that this virus was around. So what, what have we done with that, with that time? It, it mm-hmm. feels to me momentous, like there's a lot going on on the planet. Um, I've noticed that I've got way more dreams than usual. Mm-hmm. Um, and not necessarily ones that I remember when I wake up, but I know I've been busy all night. I call it being busy all night because I wake <laughs> up going, Oh my God, what was yeah. that? Yeah. Um, but obviously don't need to bring it into my conscious life because otherwise I would remember pieces of it and I would be able to unpack it. So that's not happening. That doesn't need to be in my uh, everyday awareness. So the the it's been it's been unusual this year, definitely unusual. Um and then I look at, you know, we're moving into summertime now and slightly relaxing what's going on around the isolation. And what does that mean? And I and I my inherent um feeling around it is that I still need to be careful mm-hmm. that I'm not going to take risks that I don't need to take. Um, so that means I'm still, I've, I'm, I'm remaining, remaining quite introspective around this.
0: I just remember you had a couple of summers in a row where you, your, your foot and your ankle were broken and you're not, nothing's broken this year, but you're still housebound. <laughs>
1: Well, yes, but housebound in a way, in a better way because I'm healthy and I can move <laughs> around. And, but I wasn't. I, none, n- neither of those years was on my birthday. True. Oh, interesting! It was so after, was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was traveling last year on my on my birthday. Right. Um, and and so this year, not definitely bound to and i was supposed to be in in whitehorse that's right this year yeah. on my birthday and the conference that i was supposed to go to was canceled and my trip all all i mean that i always i i try and get up there in the summertime some either in spring or or that towards the end of the summer so that's not going to happen this year so so that's that's different as well and i'm doing a kind of a rebirth by redesigning my website
0: Mm-hmm. Which is
1: forcing me to go in and i 'd say forcing me, but it 's not a horrible thing <laughs> um, to to look at well if i 'm rebranding myself and i 'm and i 'm redesigning a website, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. What do I want to put out there now and for me there's a there 's a shift going on, and my shifts are usually just ahead of what I see playing out in the world. My shift is around m- moving up to a more um, universal level.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So being able to, I mean, if, if we looked at it as a, as a physical thing, I'd be up in a satellite going around the earth, <laughs> looking at it from up there. Right. W- because I, what always strikes me when I'm in a plane flying over the earth, which is one of my favorite places to be, mm-hmm. not because I like being in a plane, but because I like being up above the earth. Mm-hmm. Um I can, I can look down on the planet and it's not divided up by political boundaries it's divided by mountain ranges and rivers and coastal um you know now we move from land to ocean right and now we move from ocean back to land yeah um that seems more natural to me right um, and in many ways, you know, in it, w- between Canada and the United States, we have more in common with people who live in Washington State than we do with people who live in Ontario, because yeah. because the mountain range naturally divides us north south and not so much east west. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we can we can parcel ourselves up any way we want to, but that says something about how we're looking at things too. So it's very much about. Um, perspective. Yeah. And how do we choose to see things, which comes, when we come back to this idea of ritual. I think choosing how we're going to see things is a ritual thing to do. We can ritualize it and, and consciously shift ourselves mm-hmm. in terms of how we are seeing ourselves and other, you know, b- because it's, my country and other countries. It's me and my community, me and my family, me and my profession. Like All, all of these things are me and other. And how do I interact between the two? Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm very conscious of that as I sit at this um, point. And I'm also at a, at a cusp. I'm just going into my 60s. And I think those decades are, n- are not important in terms of time, but they're important in terms of how we see ourselves. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be in one's 60s? Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and I think it means something different than it used to. It used to be that you retired in your 60s. Mm-hmm. You, know, you hit 65 and you retired. I think with the current climate, economic climate on this planet, we can't necessarily do that anymore, nor would we necessarily want to. It's too arbitrary. Well, I have to say that you're heading into your 60s, but you're just getting warmed up. I think so. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> I, what see that. I think a lot about what did I come here to do on this planet? Yeah. And I think I came to usher in to bridge this movement from from a three-dimensional world, which is about, it's binary. It's it's about us and them and black and white and up and down and better and worse and rich and poor and all of those binary ways of looking at the world to a more inclusive way. So I've thought a lot about what do I want things to look like on the other side of this virus? Yeah. Uh, because Not because I think the virus is so significant, but I think what it's forcing us to do it's it's almost like the virus is a trickster, hmm. like the coyote that it's coming in and it's saying, "Ha ha, look look what we're going to throw a virus in the works here." Now what are you going to do with that? Hmm. Uh, it's going to force you to look at things differently, and you can you can for, run roughshod over it and pretend it's not happening, or you can honor it and take a look at. Before the virus and after the virus and, and I've been paying a lot of attention to the after the virus. Yeah. What do I want things to look like afterwards? It makes me think about eras and, mm-hmm. uh, and I've, I've been thinking a lot lately about, uh, the, the middle ages and the renaissance and, um, times in our human history when we've had great change. Mm-hmm. And what have we, what have we done with that? And I was also thinking about the Industrial Revolution. Mm-hmm. That our pre-Industrial Revolution world was very different than the post-Industrial Revolution world. So, w- what do we, what do we want it to look like now? What, what, what would I prefer? And what I'm looking for is people looking after one another, looking out for one another, um, people sharing resources. Um, and not one upping one another and not trying to hoard resources, but mm-hmm. to share, because I think we, I really believe we have enough of everything on this planet. If we would just share it.
0: And, and right? instead of choosing things that make more money, choosing things that make more sense.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, what do we need? We only need more money if we're, if we're afraid that we won't have enough. Like if you're, if you know that you're okay, that if you don't have enough, somebody's going to share with you, then you don't have to stockpile. Mm -hmm. You don't have to hoard. It's a, that's the kind of world I want to live in. I want to live in a world where we share knowledge and we share resources and we, and we, um, we build things together and we celebrate things together. That's the kind of world I want to be in. Mm. So, so how am I preparing? To live in that kind of world. So one of the things that I've just done is alter my rate structure for how I charge for the services that I provide because I, I don't want to work in a world where people can't work with me because they can't afford. Yeah. Right. So yeah. W- what does that look like? And at what point do we begin trusting in the goodwill of the other human beings on this planet? Yeah. I want to live in a world where I can trust other human beings to be honorable and to be yeah. honest and to be fair and all of those things. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm starting to put that out there in the world. Uh,
0: I do something similar with my – I think this is, this is important because it's showing a different way of doing business. We're self-employed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I do something similar. Uh, I have for a number of years now where when somebody yeah. is ready to work with me and they ask, you know, what are the fees – I tell them what my rates are. I let that stand as just a statement. My rates are this. Yeah. And I want every person before they agree to, you know, sign a contract and come on board to take the number away, go sit with it if it's going to cause any hardship to the family in terms of making sure you're accessing the the needs for your family um to come back with me to me with an offer. And I always respect what comes back from people. And I have been actually incredibly surprised at how many people are very e- happy to pay me my full fare. Uh, yeah. But I think they feel so much more supported knowing that they had yeah. choice, that they were yeah. able to assess for themselves rather than just been being bound by what I'm declaring. Yeah. And in another way, um, the, the development work that I'm beginning to work alongside uh, another friend, another person who's come on the radio show, actually, Sheree. We're working on Steadfast Developments. We're looking at creating housing options in Vancouver. And one of the major things that we're, that we're, <laughs> we're kind of coming in under the scenes is uh, most development companies the whole purpose is to have a business that's creating a lot of money and we're coming in because we want to create the housing that's going to be affordable. So it's like from the beginning, we're front loading that we're not interested in doing this for the money
1: bags. It's not about profit. It's about covering your expenses so that you can provide an opportunity.
0: Yeah. It's, we both come from nonprofit backgrounds. So we're really oriented around what change is this going to create uh, while still supporting our families. But that is such a different mindset than tends to be. And why is that so rare? <laughs> yes, yes. Yep. However, it, it isn't as rare as we might think it is, because when you start declaring it and you start looking for the other people who are doing it, you find them. We you aren't them. alone. We aren't alone. And the more of us that, that do this, we are shifting things. We absolutely are. And I feel like it's time for your second song. And it feels absolutely beautifully appropriate right now. Yeah, and it's full
1: of hope and and happy feet.
0: Yeah, so this is the Pupini Sisters, and it's called Groove is in the Heart. And I, I remember the original version of this song. It was one of my favorite ones in the 90s. So I'm pretty eager to listen to this one. So we'll take a listen to that, and then we will be back, and we will wrap up for the rest of today.
1: Satisfaction when we're done Satisfaction of what's to come
0: Essential Conversations. That was the Pupini Sisters. Groove is in the heart. You are listening to Luca and Rebecca. And we are still celebrating Luca's birthday today. But we're also thinking (laughs) about um, what may be the birth of a new era in our society with uh, the massive changes that are in process. Violently so. I don't miss... Sometimes physically and not at the fault of the protesters, but the the violence has already been done to them over so many years. And this is just kicking it into a new level as they resist. And as we all join their call for it's time for something new and Luca, it's a new year for you. What are you, what would be your wish for
1: the year ahead? If you well, yeah, cause I am imagining world. that I'm blowing out a metaphorical candle here. Yeah. Um, because once it's <laughs> once it's sixty one years, you're, you're like you you, you can't put sixty one candles in. You have a conflagration. <laughs> um, but but to make the wish, um, and usually I don't share my wishes because the, <laughs> uh, the suspicion is or the the uh, superstition yeah superstition is <laughs> that that it won't come true. Um, but I wish that we move through this transition um, as peacefully as possible.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: um as we as we let go in the death throes of the of the old way of doing things and move into um a more peaceful more collaborative healthier um i believe healthier way of of living in a in a multi-dimensional world and i don't know what that's going to look like, but I do believe that we're all dreaming into it already so i'm voting for the dream mm-hmm. right now.
0: Voting for the dream. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, until next week.
1: I, I wonder what's around the corner. Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halleck's Power Sorcerer. And Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach. Increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca can be reached at www.lucahallux.com. I light
0: the fires that light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at CatchingFire.ca. Yep, 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 yep. oh happy 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 ah, 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 ah,